Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Um, there we go. I got a huge interview coming up. So SiriusXM is doing the year in review. So every host has to do someone big. Okay. So they got me Dana White today at noon. Oh, nice. Nice. And I, I have my notes open here. I just wanted to get you off the top of your head because we're not UFC guys. Okay. Big picture. He went to Fight Island. He was the first guy to go. He's the guy saying, I'm doing sports during COVID. That's the interview, right? I got to get him to say, Dana, I believe that you might have been the time, the sports man of the year for doing this because you had to go first at your level, right? That's the interview. Yeah, it is the interview. And, uh, and a lot of, you know, we might not have had an NBA. I didn't think of this until you just said that, but he might as well take credit and then that, that also boosts the interview and loosens him up for you to maybe even answer better questions. And that is, uh, um, not better questions, but questions he wouldn't normally answer. And that is, you know, give him credit for the NBA success is probably they had the balls to do it because he had the balls to do it first. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good angle. The JT and Looney podcast. Episode 60. We got to get to the NFL before we go, and we'll probably start with it because we are powered by betonline.ag. Do you have a pick of the week this week? Wow. It's something that I never do. I never do. Right. Raider Nation. Here's Whoa! The- I'm totally, totally in, in, I'm totally in with this this week. That's all I'm talking about on the local show. Raiders, Colts, Raiders, Colts, Raiders, Colts. So this is going to be good podcasting as we say good radio. I interviewed John Gruden on Thursday. John Gruden is so intense on this game. Right. And he talked about the fact that Philip Rivers, do you want, you'll love this fun fact because you love talking about Rivers. Right. Do you know that no football player in the history of football, dating back to leather helmets and the Packers and the Bears, the oldest rivalry, no player has ever played the Raiders more than Philip Rivers. Oh, wow. Okay. No player has ever been <laughs> up against the Raiders more than Rivers. Wow. Raiders swept them last year with the Chargers. Swept them. Rivers is on a better team with the Colts. Rivers has a foot injury where he'll need surgery at the end of the year. Rivers is a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite right. in Las Vegas, and the Raiders are in a must-win situation. Now, if the Raiders don't win, they can win their final three and get to ten wins, but they're going to have some tiebreaker issues. They got Miami after that. The Colts are very good. The Raiders have been awful. They haven't been bad. Yeah. They've been awful. They lost to Atlanta, and they should have got beat by the Jets. I think the Raiders are going to rally and get up for this game Hopefully Carr plays an MVP-type game, outperforms Rivers, and the Raiders hit a game walk-off field goal with no time left, just barely winning. That's my upset special. Well, I will tell you this. The Colts have maybe the best defense in the NFL with a wink and a nod to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, who are probably going uh, everywhere fast, in other words, to the Super Bowl. We're always here. Notice that you mentioned Philip Rivers and Derek Carr. Derek Carr, far better quarterback than Philip Rivers, despite reputations. Kids, worry about your reputation because people would automatically think that Philip Rivers was a better quarterback. But no, Derek Carr, far better quarterback now and back then. 
He's always been, but don't get me going. Uh, I do think that it's going to be a very close game because you forgot to mention defense, and the Colts have a great yeah. one. So I, but, but the Raiders are a better football team, and they're getting the points. And the Raiders have played amazing at home. And, that, and people have recency bias a lot of times when they bet on games, but I agree with you. Load up on the Raiders. <coughs> wow. Huh. During real radio, if we were doing real radio, I would have had to push the cough button, but that's what's cool about keeping it real <laughs> on a podcast. And another another thing that's really important while you listen to the JT and Looney podcast is that we have a sponsor, betonline.ag. Now, I don't have the copy, as we call it in the business, in front of me, but I do know off the top of my head because I have almost total instant recall that you do need to go to betonline.ag if you like to bet on games. They have game spreads and totals, uh, and team player and coaching props. Oh, my God, the props are really cool. And they have a lot of props there that you can't get in Vegas. Vegas is really weird about props, very conservative about their props. And at betonline.ag, they're very liberal about the props that you can have fun with. So betonline gives you more options to wager than any place else on the planet. So you got to go to bet online. Their online casino is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses just by being friends with the JT and Looney podcast. Really cool deal. BetOnline.ag. Sign up as soon as you can. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. I have a feeling, not sure, but since I have almost total instant recall, I have a feeling that was what was on the copy that I can't fucking find anywhere. <laughs> we got Christmas lights. Oh, I love it. Okay, so this is a big part of the podcast, very big. Everyone's goofing on me from my family to my friends. So my wife, who's the best, the better part of me, said, this year can we do Christmas lights? Now, the reason I don't do Christmas lights is in the neighborhood that I live in, when you come into our neighborhood, I'm the first house. Right. You've been to my house. So yeah. you come through and you see my home. And I don't want my home to be, oh, look there's the home that he, they're trying to outdo the other guy right lights but i live in a neighborhood where everybody tries to outdo each other with lights i just happen to live in a neighborhood like that growing up as a kid my dad would get on a ladder and he would go and put lights on yeah, i had a mother that would have got on a ladder same thing yeah and i remember my memory doesn't go back that far that i helped him do this but my dad did a lot of it and i remember how dangerous it was yes in massapequa we had a big house and he would have a ladder on the and and he would go to the top. Oh, and yeah, and it was a shitty 70s ladder. Yeah. <laughs> we had something that I've never seen the rest of my life because I've lived uh, out west gutters. Out west, yeah. we don't have gutters. We just right. have roofs that come down. There's no gutters that collect leaves. And my dad would hang the lights across the gutters. But God forbid if my dad, and he never did knock wood, fell, or anybody fell, you'd die. It wasn't like, hey, you'd fall and get hurt. Right. Well, my house is taller than the house I grew up with. So by no means... By no means am I getting up on my roof right. to put and hang lights so I'd have to hang over <laughs> or be on the ladder and be up to the top where the ladder could fall. Well, you, don't, well, you won't fix a doorknob. Right. No. So I wasn't going to do this. So my wife convinced me. She said, can we do this? It'd be great when my son came home from Oklahoma from college if he saw that. That's and great. Said, of course, go ahead and do it. I won't tell you how much it cost too much i won't tell you how much it cost <laughs> he bought the lights 
Ding dong, another Amazon box came. Okay, another Amazon box. Yeah. You know, the Amazon family right there. That's the first house, right? <laughs> the well, the guy that doesn't want to have the lights doesn't mind the Amazon <laughs> in front of the house. Uh, the wife bought the lights. Uh, the guy came, kid in the neighborhood who's doing all the other ones. Okay, fantastic experience. And let me just tell you to get you in the holiday spirit. My wife and I walked out to the front of our house last night, and we stared at our home, and it brought me a level of joy that I haven't experienced in decades oh that's great I lived, I lived in condos I, I was a bachelor i lived with my wife in san francisco in a high rise then you know moved a little bit but we've been in this home for over 10 years and i feel great the spirit of giving and the holidays are with me and yes jt the brick wow. has christmas lights and i'm talking a lot of them now man i'm not talking like two or three yes all houses lit up with those ice candle lights and i feel like it's the holidays and good luck bringing back that word. I've always loved the word bachelor. I loved how you <laughs> used the word bachelor because our parents and grandparents used the word bachelor. It was usually to, as a very diplomatic way to describe a gay uncle, right? <laughs> he's a, he's a lifelong bachelor. Remember how old people used to say that? About the uncle or, or that never got married who played the piano and had the poodles. He's a life. <laughs> he's a lifelong bachelor. Liberace was always a bachelor. Yes. Yeah, they always did. So, uh, on a serious note, because uh, we uh, put this in every podcast as of right now, 293,000 Americans hmm. lost to coronavirus. Oh, 293,000 lost to coronavirus. We put that in the podcast. So when we look back in years to come. We'll be able to relevantly talk about where we were on this date in mid-December on December 11th. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. Can you hear me? Yeah, you got me? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. I want to take a look. I was talking about you behind your back the other day to the great super producer Ray Lopez. And... I, uh, let me see. Oh, you, I was on the air with you and I dropped out a couple of times and I could hear you because on my end, I was still there, but you're, you, you know, I was guesting on one of your shows and you couldn't hear me all of a sudden. And Bobby had gone out for a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I, I, I texted Ray. And one of the things before I ever worked with you, you were one of his favorite talk show hosts. I asked him why. He said, impatience, his impatience. The impatience drives the show, which I always used on the air with you. And I wrote him about it, telling him how I could hear you uh, yelling on the air about that I was gone again and the phones weren't working. And, how, and he said, urgency is the difference between good hosts and great hosts. If the host doesn't care, why should the listener? And... Your sense of uh, both of us, our sense of urgency and patience, and even you know, uh, uh, yelling "hurry up" at our microwave, even when we're not in a hurry, and sometimes we have to tell loved ones, "Remind me, I'm not in a hurry," especially when we're driving, right? But also when we're driving the show, and I think that's why I enjoyed working with you, because the second you were bored, you figured they were bored, and I was the same way. Yeah, I have this problem with this radio clock still in my head. Without you, without working with you every night now. Being without a co-host, what's getting weird is this run, and I keep bringing everything back, everything in my life I'm bringing back to the pandemic, right? right? How what's happened and great things that happened and 
what's going to happen next. And, you know, what, what, what's amazing me in this year is that I don't think there's anyone in radio has, who has done more longer segments than me without anybody. And it's A, by choice, and B, the great guys I'm working with who are rotating the board ops, as we call them, they, I haven't worked with them. So I'm not going to put board ops on the radio that I haven't worked with. Right. And I hope they don't take it personally. It has nothing to do with them. A couple of them I have. I say, hey, what'd you say there? What's the score? Say that again. Hey, what'd you do? How was your commute into work? But the way we were able to talk together for 14 years, and it's incredible that I come out of some breaks at, say, 7.05 or after a soundbite, and then I look and I go, I'm taking this thing to 7.26. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody says. Right. I'm doing it. I got three pieces of sound. I'm right. going to throw to a Coach K who all of a sudden doesn't want to play, and I'm going <laughs> to throw to uh, Doug Peterson who can't make a decision on Carson Wentz and someone has to above him. I know I have that there. I know I have that there, not as a crutch, but just to breathe, just to take a pause, just to stop talking. And I go, all right, here we go mentally. Try to get the phones going, and the callers are always, always pleasant. But I've been doing these. 702 to 724, these 735s to 751 runs for a fucking year. I mean, for the entire year. And that's why I'm taping interviews during the day. You know, yesterday I did 11 interviews, 11 interviews live or TV or during the show or to use during the show, you know, to have someone to talk to because during the pandemic, man, without having you, my partner, all these years to bounce stuff off and just take a sip of water. Man, what a year it's been in regards to just talking. Well, have you gotten better at interviewing? I would say if you take a look at uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 reps, right, or 10,000 hours, whatever it is, um, once you do something more, you get better, and you've been interviewing more than ever. Are you turning into Charlie Rose? Yeah, I think my interviewing skills are getting a lot better because, yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm letting people talk. I don't interrupt people. I try not right. to. I was a famous radio host in San Francisco who just passed away by the name of Ralph Barbieri, who was called The Razor, Razor and Mr. T, and he did shows with Tom Tolbert, who I think the world of Tom Tolbert's a brilliant talent i mean former nba player former nba player and ralph had this massive following in san francisco on kmbr massive and he was a former college cheerleader and very liberal on the air uber liberal on the air and i never understood why people liked him and i understood it took me years a decade because he was real everything he said about the pizza he ate and going to the giant game and he was the most tough interviewer I ever heard. He'd have Brian Sabian on the GM, uh-huh. and you cringe in your car. <laughs> That's great. He was going to ask the next tough question. Right. The problem with him is he always interrupted people. Oh, and I okay. said to myself, he's got everything that you'd want in a great interviewer. He asked a question that takes brass balls, but he interrupts, and he never lets people finish, and he, he does that with callers. So I said, I wanted to be like him. I want to have great questions, right. and I want to be silent and let the guest, who is a guest, talk and hear what they have to say. Cool Tom Tolbert story. And anytime I see him, and I would usually see him when we covered fights in Vegas, I would tell him this story. And 
it was uh, one of the first times I, I I believe one of the first times I ever went to Vegas to cover a fight, and I believe it was Felix Trinidad and Fernando Vargas, which, oh, my God, which is a great fight. It was the first time I had ever covered a fight in Vegas. I met you at that time, and you were a rising star in the radio business, and you were in the middle of a show, so you were in the uh, very, you know, the impatient mode when I met you, and which I get, and he was there, and in Vegas... You know, people come in from all over, and it's a lot of people who come into Vegas, as you know, don't spend very much time in elevators. They're from Des Moines. <laughs> and so they don't realize there's a protocol. You got to let people out before you go in. You have to let the 22 people come out of the elevator before you start squeezing in. Just wait. And Tolbert, you know, who's, what, 6'9? He's just one of the, you know, very, very tall man. He was standing in the elevator, and the elevator doors opened up. I was getting ready to go in. I wasn't. I was using protocol, of course. But people started to go in, and Tolbert was inside the elevator. He says, wait, 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 wait. The protocol is we leave, then you come in. <laughs> awesome. And because he's six feet nine or whatever, everybody froze. And the protocol concluded where the the elevator emptied, and then people walked in. That's my Tom Tolbert Vegas story as you broadcast live. Uh, man, that's a great story. <laughs> you know, it's interesting on elevator protocol. You'll, you, what's changed also during the pandemic is that now only four people can get on an elevator. Oh, really? So <laughs> what, what, what is insanity? <laughs> I haven't been out a while. I haven't been oh. out a while, but one of the times during the – it's incredible that we're in December – as we record this podcast, uh, sitting here in December, December 11th. By the way, happy birthday to Jimmy B., my best man in my wedding. Oh, day. wow. I talked to him the other day. Wow. Great. Great. December 12th tomorrow. Is that now, if you go to a Vegas resort property, you go to the Cosmopolitan and you wait for the elevator to come, and then it opens, only four people can get on. And they got the little spots where you have to stand in the corners. Right. Which, it's kind of weird because, first off, there's not a lot of people. Right. There's not supposed to be a lot of people. Right. So there's not supposed to be a huge long line for the elevator. But if there is a line, you have to wait and then it closes and it opens and it closes because you can't get on. And I'm dealing with that at the Raiders Ugh. Stadium is that on home games, there's local media at Allegiant Stadium. And we're waiting in the elevator bank because the elevator door opens and there's three guys in there with construction vest on moving something because it's new and right. they got to go all the way to the top then it goes all the way to the bottom and there's two more guys still on it and you can't get on and you look behind you and there's 11 people and you go oh only four at a time i'm gonna take the stairs so i'm happy you brought up elevator etiquette during a pandemic Tom. you're brilliant <laughs> let me write that down too as our <laughs> to see as our tease okay elevator <laughs> etiquette <laughs> elevator etiquette that's funny and and in terms of circling back, hosting a talk show, a cool sh uh, you know, uh, there was an evolution over the years. When we were growing up, it was always interviews, and they would interview authors. And what was always funny during the course of our career was we were always getting emails from authors as though it was still 1977. <laughs> and, uh, and all talk show hosts did was interview authors. It was uh, all the time it was happening to us. And... But one of the evolutions was a disc jockey from Kansas City who had also worked in Pittsburgh and, and Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Rush Limbaugh, 
took an exit off the freeway of his disc jockey career and his music career, was working for the Kansas City Royals for a while because he loves sports, and then got a part-time job as a talk show host in Kansas City and reinvented himself as a talk show host. And then he got hired full-time, and then his, uh, his career exploded from there. But the thing he changed, and he kind of took a cue from Morton Downey Jr., and that was that the talk show is about the host. Because Morton Downey Jr. was exploding in popularity at the time in Sacramento, I believe, uh, as a talk show host. And he wasn't making it about the callers. He was making it about himself, his opinions, his personality. And with Morton Downey Jr. and Rush Limbaugh's effect on the spoken word business, and AM radio was dying at the time that by the time we were starting to uh, bloom and you were working in Wall Street and I was exploring acting in the restaurant business, etc. When a rich guy bought an FM radio station, the AM radio station was thrown in for free. But Rush Limbaugh changed that. And he was exploding in popularity and other people were hearing it. Howard Stern as well. I can't leave a Howard Stern out of this conversation. Both of those guys born on the same day. Uh, I, and then they were making the show about themselves. And then, so then we ended up becoming from the, coming from the era where they were hiring big personalities who didn't need phone calls or guests because they had to be confident with their own personalities and ability to just speak. And you're one of those guys. Well, that's one of my faults, I believe, is that, and that ties us back into Andrew Ashwood, the great guerrilla program director who put us together, is that, you know, these podcasts have turned out to be therapy for me. Yeah. They really have, because I've never talked to anyone. I don't, I don't talk to anyone. I don't dislike therapy. I've just never done it. And I, right. Oh, same here. We both, we both desperately have needed therapy over the years, but we've been busy. So when it comes to this, when it comes to talking more about life, What's interesting, again, is I'm doing the show from home now. So I've been indirectly asked to do the show from home, and I don't want to do the show from home for a number right. of reasons. One, I like to get out in my nice car and drive the mile or two to work, right. and I just like to listen to Howard Stern in the car. I don't listen to sports talk. I listen to Howard Stern right. in the car, and then I like to get there, and then I like to go into a room that has microphones and buttons. Yep. You taught me that, and I like to have Bobby Dotto oh, yeah. in front of me making sure the voice levels are good. Now I'm doing the podcast and the radio from home, but my wife and son are in the other room. Usually my son's upstairs sleeping because he right. does sleep 16 hours a day. But my wife is in the other room, and she's getting the house together beautifully. And I'm finding during breaks that I'm going out and seeing my wife or getting water. And immediately when I jump back on the air, I'm telling stories about my home, which I think is a good thing. Hey, my oh, wife, yes, it is. Put the tree up the other day. It looks amazing. I told the story about how my wife made a meatloaf and how our era ate meatloafs when we yes. were. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a Caucasian <laughs> tradition. Yeah. yeah. Kids today have never heard of meatloaf. Right. It came about some hamburgers went wrong, and my wife decided, forget the hamburgers. I'll make a meatloaf. But I'm telling those stories on the air. But I miss having you there because I always have a clock in my head. I think of the guy in sports radio who just went out quickly to pick up their kid or to go get some milk at the yep. grocery store or go do something, and they had me in the car for 11 minutes or six yep. minutes. I don't want to tell them about me. They didn't tune in. Some did. Some want to hear about me. Right. But most want to get the score. 
What happened? Why did Cam Newton play so badly? Why did he play so badly? <laughs> and I got four minutes in the car, and JT's talking about Christmas lights. So the, the clock goes <laughs> off of my head to get back to sports, where there's a lot of, lot of other people on radio and sports that waste segment after segment after segment with lists or telling about what they ate for dinner or what they're doing, and it drives me crazy. And then these program directors who've never broken a mic, never done anything other than write a blog, gravitate to some of these guys thinking that they're groundbreakers because they're talking about what they did on vacation last week. It drives me nuts. Uh, because, yeah, because they're going guy talk, you know, which was very popular in the 90s, and it's not the 90s anymore. And oh, well, real quickly, not to interrupt, most guys can't do guy talk. I know. This is something Andrew talked about because mm. most guys in sports radio don't have the background of being able to talk about things. This is a very important point. Yeah, yeah. There are a few people who can do it, and I'm not claiming to be one, but there are, we got these guys, morning men on Sirius XM who are really good about it, Babchek and Evan Cohen, and they do it, and their show's based on that. But most guys can't do it because they don't have the life and they don't have the background stories of buddies and backpacking through Australia and Europe and right. telling about this and this and that. So they start doing guy talk and they suck at it because they don't have guy friends. They don't have people. They they hang out with the guy in the water cooler at the copier in sports radio. We don't want to hear it from those guys. They don't have anything interesting to talk about. Right, because if the if the sports exit, they have to hit the sports exit. They don't have anything to talk about. I always when people would ask them advice about becoming a talk radio show a talk show host i would say well make sure you can talk about anything and not just you know, not just what's on the sports page do you know what's on the front page because sometimes what's on the front page affects the sports page and vice versa and if you don't know what's happening on the front page and you go straight to the sports page you're not living the life of the listener the listener doesn't live in sports or live in sports broadcasting the listener as you mentioned has to go to has to go to the store to pick up the kid, has to go to school to pick up the kid, has to go to the store to pick up milk, uh, has to go to the store to get onions because the wife's making a meatloaf and she just realized she doesn't have it, but her fingers are knee deep in red meat. So, uh, and, and you know what? Dads sometimes have to go to the Cinderella movie. So they're going to the movies because they have kids, et cetera. And so you have to be able to talk about those things, even if you're a sports talk show host and you've noticed, right, if, if, a lot of sports talk show hosts can't, you know, they can't name, they can't, they can't name the three tenors. Well, most people can only name two anyway, but <laughs> all right. Can you name the three tenors? I cannot name the three. But I bet you can name two. There's, there's Pavarotti. Placido Domingo. And Domingo. And then the other one. <laughs> most people can't name the other one anyway. But I, I digress. Yeah, most people can't do guide talk. And I think that one of the most important things that you had in your head when we worked together is, you know, if we did veer off into bodybuilding or nutrition or art or movies and things that uh, I liked and you liked too because you're interested in everything, there was that clock in your head that we had to get back. Tick, 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 tick. I knew I had to give the Reader's Digest version bullet points on why I eat, why I never eat candy, because there's a Monday night football game on or a Thursday night football game on, and Cam Newton sucks, and we have to talk about why. Well, it comes down to this. This is a really important topic for those who have listened, and we've had guys reach out to us about radio and getting into podcasting and some other things, is that if you're on, you should always be entertaining. You should always be entertaining in some way. And I've never thought that sports talk radio was about being 
super entertaining. <clears throat> the only guy that I ever th- met in my life, in my life, I've been doing this almost 25 years, who was funny was Jay Moore. Oh, Jay right. Moore is a comedian. I think he's a great comedian and an actor. So when Jay Morgan on the radio and started being funny, I said, oh, well, you know something? He's a comedian. He can do it. And then, you know, I started hearing other people trying to be funny. And they're funny because they tell something in real time and a joke and you laugh out loud. And it's really good. But in general, guys who do sports talk radio should be talking about sports and building unbelievable topics and doing great radio, not trying to be a comedian, because if they were all funny, why would they be on sports radio? Why wouldn't they just go to FM radio or Sirius XM comedy channel and try to bring their comedy there? So it's very tough to do. I was uh, really impressed with one of the interns that we had over the years. I would always tell them this, get a job in radio, any format where you have to, where you're on the radio every day, even if it's country music, even if it's any type of format whatsoever, because then you're turning on the mic all day or five hours a day and you're getting your reps in and you're learning how to put one sentence in front of the other. They never did it. And uh, so a lot of them never got into the business because but there was, there's one guy who was one of our interns who's turned into an incredible disc jockey, an incredible radio talent. He's a sports lover, but he's working on a music. He got he took the first job he, he did weekends at some uh, some local station, Ventura County, California, where it's news and weather and sports and music. And he's great. He's 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 developing as a talent where he will be able to work on any radio station in the country, music. Sports news because he's doing it all at a local level. One of the few that that took my advice to just get a job with a microphone where you got to talk, and but a lot of guys wouldn't do that. They thought they they could they would do it their way, or they wouldn't want to move. And uh, it was like it was kind of this spoil because we were in L.A. Guys didn't want to move that far from mommy, and you got to be able to do it if you want to succeed in life. Period. But also in this business. Well, Howard Stern signed this new five-year deal. It's a five-year deal, which will bring about, this according to the Wall Street Journal, his archive of audio and video will continue to be licensed on SiriusXM, the company I work for now, for seven years after, ready for this, after the contract ends through 2032. Wow. company said, you want to talk about a content provider and there's a lot of deals about how much he's actually making, you know, the $90 million extension, five-year contract. Everybody is speculating about this. And as we know in radio, no one knows about, no agent and no talent is ever going to talk about what they get. But this is an enormous deal. Stern already making $90 million a year. Okay, $90 million. Now, remember, Howard reportedly has to pay his staff. Got to right. pay Robin, Baba Booey, production, whatever that is. It's enormous, and he and he did that because he entertained and he brought everybody into his life when he was a nerd. He was the super nerd, yep. and he became this famous disc jockey and started hanging out with ACDC and started hanging out with models and all that, and then all of a sudden he brought everybody into his world, and now he has the whack pack, and he has all these listeners call in who are all bizarre, enough to be the richest radio talent of all time, surpassing Rush Limbaugh, 
everybody. So congratulations to the voice of my youth, Howard Stern. Oh, my God. And he's another guy. And I'm glad I didn't forget his name as I was talking about people who realized the show is about you. If you're good enough to make it about you, as JT always adds. And he was and he is. And I think what happened is Sirius XM. I don't want to dive too deep into that. That's one of your employers. And uh, you never want your podcast to get you fired. Uh, that's another bit oh, of that advice. Is so that is so inside radio. You don't want your podcast to get you fired. Right. My longtime agent and a confidant for you actually picked right. up the phone and told me that because of a client that he had, and it was really an important moment where I always thought I'd get fired, or if anybody got fired, it'd be for what we said on the radio. Right. He said no, no, no. It could be for what you said on your podcast too. Exactly, and 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 so anyway, the uh, the SiriusXM subscriptions. What they do is the the big muckety muck sit in that big corner office. Now they sit on Zoom, and <laughs> they crunch the numbers, and they realize, God, we can't afford to pay this guy. But if we get rid of this guy, uh, the subscriptions we lose will be much much. You know, then we can't when we can't afford to lose him. They could, you know, it's one of those things where, God, this is going to cost a lot of money to keep it. But if we get rid of them, how many people are going to cancel their subscriptions? They didn't want to know. <laughs> so they decided. Because no, yeah. Howard Stern does move the needle. Enough yep. Hey, I would have. I, re- I remember going out to buy the gadget uh, the night before his show started. I go, oh, my God, what am I doing sitting around? And, and this, this is radio history tomorrow. I got to. And every place, every electronic store I went to in Southern California, there was no because then you had to buy the gadget. It's easier now. Yeah. I uh, I couldn't couldn't find what I was going from electronic store to electronics from Best Buy, to, and could not get a Sirius XM gadget. And that's how that's how big he was, and that's how much he meant Sirius XM. AM seven ninety ABC. Talk Radio 790 KABC News, live and local. I am Tom Looney. Stop in the name of Trump. That's what President Trump's lawyers argued in front of the Supremes today. But the nation's high court barely took the time to think it over. The president's lawyers were asking the Supremes to overturn the vote in Pennsylvania. The high court replied with a one-sentence rejection. The president's not leaving. He's not leaving the White House. He's having parties saying, I'm back. Okay, so that's where we stand on December 11th. We're not talking about a guy who's pissed off that he lost, can't believe that he lost, is still wondering why he's lost. He's publicly telling everyone, I won. I won by a lot. We're going to try to figure it out. Now, I don't want to dive into what they're trying to figure out. What they're trying to figure out, the big picture is simply this. That the Republicans and on Trump's side do not believe that Biden got 80 million votes. That's the crutch to this whole thing. They right. don't believe the number. The number is alarming to them. They say, Obama, wait, Obama, Hillary. He had no one ever show up at his rallies. He didn't have much of this going on. It's impossible for him to get that number. I disagree. I told you that people on the left were going to go out and vote against Trump. Right, right. such an alarming rate that they were all going to show up and the number would be higher than we expected. So all I did on this podcast was predict that Joe Biden, even though I didn't vote for him, would lose, would win a tightly contested controversial election you called it the case i called it i nailed it here but now all the trumpers even some of the smartest 
bleeping guys I know are convinced Trump is going to win. And I go, what do you mean? And they said he will be there on Inauguration Day. He will turn this over in the Supreme Court. They're going to catch the biggest fraud in American history. The biggest crime caper of all time is how these extra votes went one way in the middle of the night for one guy, went away from the other guy, and it's going to be proven and debated in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. And now there's 19 states in this lawsuit that are heating up this conversation. Here's what people don't realize is sometimes it's not the charismatic guy that gets a lot of people to his rallies. I always point out that the largest rally in the history of this country is Walter Mondale and Geraldine Ferrero in Central Park in 1984. William McKinley in 1892 ran the same campaign Joe Biden did. He said, I can't compete with Williams Jennings Bryan. Uh, William Jennings Bryan was like Trump and he would go to these train stops and there would be thousands of people who would hear him riff. He was a great speaker. McKinley stayed on his front porch in Canton, Ohio, and ran his campaign from his front porch the same way that we joked about Biden being in his basement. McKinley won. And uh, Williams Jennings Bryan couldn't believe. How could he win? He never left his house. <clears throat> well, that's how it worked out. And this is the same thing that happened here. It's fascinating. Uh, I, I find uh, Biden's uh, press conference is very soothing because <laughs> he's very calm. I do think that the number one thing Trump is doing that's, is that really is why some people, even those who are you know, very, very conservative and religiously conservative and would never you know, would never approve of someone dating porn stars, etc. What a lot of them really like is. The way that he pokes liberals in the eye, the way that Trump pokes, pokes and drives us crazy and, and, uh, and, and has, you know, and, and all of a sudden there's this whole new industry of liberal outrage TV. It used to be conservative outrage TV and Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and the sky is falling. And now you've got Don Levin on CNN at night. And I looked at the television last night. Because my house, I'm working in the news business, so I got local news on one TV and CNN and another. As I'm anchoring the news locally and keeping up on what's happening, uh, I thought, oh, my God. When Biden becomes president, what's Don Lemon going to do? <laughs> what's, what is the top? There's no outrage when a guy, you know, just sits there. He's like Tony Dungy. It'll be like having President Dungy. <laughs> I, I watched I watched Wolf and Jim Acosta the other day. Yeah. And they, were just, they were like going to cry when these new when these new when the hundred six when the hundred and six congressmen and women signed up there to say they back the president and and going forward and those guys were like they were going to cry and I told my wife and I said why is Wolf upset does he want everyone to believe what he believes I got to the point where I'm saying look it's the news right it's the news. Freaking 106 or whatever congressmen and women decided that they're going to go all in on this and they want more of an investigation and they believe that the president should stay in. I don't agree or disagree. It has nothing to do with my opinion on this podcast. But Wolf was there. You know, he didn't have the breaking news light. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. He was so sad and he was reporting his opinion. Well, through all the lies, through all the lies, like, whoa, 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 Wolf. Just report the news on the bottom. And then the insanity of Hannity, the insanity of him right. reporting the news his way. You know, I didn't think that Wolf uh, would start to lean in the Hannity direction of giving his opinions when he was a newsman, Wolf Blitzer. Yeah, and there's actually several anchors, several anchors at CNN who are excellent anchors 
who you watch all of a sudden who they've been encouraged to get to anchor the news and give their opinions and have personality at the same time. And that's the way it's gone. And here's another evolution over the years. If you'll remember, anchors would work an hour. They would get paid six or seven figures and they'd work an hour a day. Finally, some guys in ties thought, no, let's leave them on all day. <laughs> Everybody else works seven hours. Let's have the anchors at least work three or four. So you have anchors out there not only reading off a teleprompter, but riffing and interviewing people and have been encouraged to be advocates for their opinions many times. I think that which it's got to be a little bit difficult for some. Like Wolf has always been, you know, you, you just report the news and then you don't give opinions. And one thing that I think has really also evolved in the last four years is, and it's the Trump effect, a lot of things are the Trump effect, is um, misleading statements. They always would, all my life, if a president lied, they would just call it a misleading statement, not a lie. And in the past four years, they've just called Trump's lies lies and not misleading statements because a misleading statement gives you a little bit of wiggle room in case it's not a lie or uh, it's just more polite way of delivering the news. Yeah. And I kind of liked it better that way. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't believe that any president has lied more than this one. No, no that's true. <laughs> he enjoys he enjoys lying, even though I believe he got a lot of things done and yep. a lot of the policies I've agreed with. There's no doubt that no one, it's not even oh, close. No he, one he's doing something that fascinated both of us. That we thought could not be done. Maybe in the when I when I went droned on about the election of 1896 and how they used to do it on trains and you could you could stop in a non-union city mm -hmm. and say that you're against the unions and then hop back on the train and go to pittsburgh where they have the steel workers union and say i love the unions you could say polar opposite things in two different cities a hundred years ago and no one on twitter would pick it up because there was no twitter but trump did that anyway in 2016 turned it on his head would even say things as I never said that. Oh, I was just kidding. Oh, I was being sucked. And, and it was, and it's fascinating because he did things that we thought you couldn't get away with in politics. He, uh, he, he went outside his business. We hired a florist to tune up our car. And it's amazing that he got us to hire him. He came from another business and businessmen never make good politicians. We always think, Oh, let's get a businessman in there, but no, let's get someone from politics. They know the business. Uh, he still, you can't say, even though he still doesn't know the business of politics when it comes to how a bill is passed, he could never tell you probably how that's done. But he was able to do the most important part of politics, that is campaign and get elected. Yeah, that's, a, that's what a politician <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. I'll just leave it on this because I like this. This podcast is the voice of my record, so I can go yeah. back on this, and someday someone will archive our podcast and hopefully sell it to Spotify for $80 million. That would be nice. That would yes. be each other again. That's we'll the dream. <laughs> you will be on one island, and I'll be on the other <laughs> island because this podcast is better than a lot of other podcasts that are being sold for $11 million. True. We'll work through it. That's why we want everybody to share the podcast, subscribe, and leave us a note that we're not asking for much. This content we're providing, we'd love to get your opinion on it. I'll just say this because we're getting to mid-December and a decision is going to have to be made. There's no doubt in my mind that there was fraud in this election.
The point is, I don't know how much of it w- there was. So that's right. very general. I know that there were some of these ballot rooms, some people counting. I think that there were votes that came in that might have been played with a bit. I think that there were votes that might have been thrown out along the way. I don't know exactly what it was. I'm not going to say it was in the millions or right. the hundreds of thousands. <clears throat> I just know because of coronavirus, the ability for mail-in fraud. Mail-in fraud to me is really, really in play compared to, hey, I'm Tom Looney. I'm going to wait in line, social distance, six feet, for three and a half hours to place my vote Put my vote there, check it in. They're going to look at my ID. I'm going to sign this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to place my vote and go home. I believe that mail-in voting is safe, and they're going to get it right. I just don't know the element of how much fraud got in to either the actual ballots or the people who counted those ballots, and they got to look through that, Tom. It's American history. they got to take their time and get it right. You can't fuck that up and not get it right when it comes to all these ballots they came in on UPS trucks and FedEx trucks and people delivering bundles and people handling it. i got to know if that number's right. Well, they were first of all, it was the United States Post Office that handled it, and they can handle anything real easy for them. It was one more piece of mail. <laughs> They're amazing. As the, as the grandson of a mailman, the mail, the, 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 it was the United States Post Office that took care of this and they took care of it just fine. They're broke. Fine. They're and, broke. And, and not only, yeah, yeah, they are broke. So's the military. <laughs> it's just, it's not there for profit. It's a service. But here's the deal. They give them more money if they're broke. Here's the deal. Um, there was none. And President Trump had a committee to investigate voter fraud in, in, in 2017. They found nothing. They had nothing to do. Because, first of all, and there's not, I guarantee you, not one, not one illegal immigrant, not one anywhere went to vote. You know why? They had to go to work. <laughs> and so and they didn't come to this country to vote. They come to this country to make a better life. So there wasn't one illegal immigrant. And if if there was one vote, well, they need, if there was one vote, you need eight million more to overturn the election. So I don't think there was one yeah, illegal vote count. No, not I think one. I'm not talking about illegal immigration. I'm talking I know about, you're not. I know. I, I'm talking about, you know, some people are saying that, but I, I, I'm just talking about that because I like to stick up. I like to stick up for him. I like to stick up for immigrants, legal or illegal. That's what Absolutely. I'm here for. So do I. And I would say this is that the only process that I have here that I want to see played out because I, JT, uh-huh. on the JT and Looney podcast, could care less who the president is. I've never, as you know, this ever woke up and cared whoever was the president. I don't care. I just want to know that going forward, going forward, that we're going to have a process in place with voting that is more secure and done because we did this during a pandemic. And yeah, we but you, you're, you, you're, you watched Homeland. You love the I Homeland did. guys, the yeah. Homeland security guys, the guys who protect the country. They agree with me. They're all very conservative that there was no voter fraud. Well, there are 106 members of Congress as of now, maybe going to be more. There are state legislators. There are attorney generals in certain Uh states that disagree with you. And what they want to do is they want to debate this issue in front of the Supreme Court. And why this becomes a unique topic going forward is the way that Trump was – Trump had the ability to appoint the court with – 
his individuals that could sway an election. If it doesn't get there and it doesn't happen, I could care less. If it does, you think Homeland was fun to watch? You think Homeland was interesting television? Buckle in from December 11th to December 19th and beyond, and we'll see how this plays out. All I want is a peaceful transition. I, I would like to see a peaceful Tom Looney transition. Well, there will be, because Supreme Court justices are amazing. And by the way, so are politicians. Love politicians. I love people, as you know, and I've always been fan. I'm a political science major in, in college and a presidential historian. And I love the people who have the balls and ovaries to run for office. And I think arrogance is beautiful, liberal or conservative. I love the people who run for office. I find them fascinating. And Supreme Court justices are fascinating because they never end up doing what the politician who appointed them wants them to do because they're amazingly independent people. And the liberals end up becoming conservative and the conservatives end up becoming liberal because they're just trying to get it right. They all turn into Joe Scarborough. They decide, I've got a new job now, and that is to support this Constitution and be a blazingly independent. That's why nobody trusts Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. He's great because he used to be a conservative congressman, but now he just tells the truth. So conservatives hate when he tells the truth. Liberals don't trust him because he used to be a conservative congressman. So even if they agree with him, they may, there must be something nefarious about him. Same thing with Supreme Court justices. They never end up doing, or and they, they, they're not from a political party. And so the Supreme Court justices won't even hear this because it's mostly nonsense. You, yeah, and I'll tell you something. That's a really strong opinion by you yep. because you could be absolutely wrong on this one. And I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I love your opinion. You have a strong opinion on this. There are millions. Not, I always say this about sports there you know there weren't a few people that turned off the tv when kaepernick took a knee there were millions and it made people uncomfortable I mean, oh well, my grandfather my uncle robbed he doesn't like the nfl anymore because kaepernick took a knee no 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 no. there were so many other people who agreed with your uncle rob and did that and their opinions were strong okay and when lebron right. when lebron didn't defend didn't defend Hong Kong, and a lot of people bailed on the NBA. Oh, just a few people did. No, 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 no. Millions did. So your opinion is very strong. Right. You're probably going to be right, but you at least need to acknowledge that millions of people do not agree with that analysis. By oh, you. well, people were made uncomfortable. Well, guess what? Free country is a rough thing for yes. the uncomfortable because... It's legal for your grandmother to walk down the street in a thong. It may make you uncomfortable. Gay marriage is legal, even though a conservative Supreme Court had to agree. Ah, and uh, so is abortion. One year after year, the conservative Supreme Court says, hey, it's the law of the land. Everything that makes us uncomfortable, we can have our ethics and our morals, and I'm pro-life. But guess what? Everything I agree with, everything I believe, just live my life the way I want to live my life with my morals and ethics. Things I disagree with don't need to be against the law, and that's why the Supreme Court is there, to make sure that things we're uncomfortable with remain legal. That's why they're there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.